Hello and welcome to the Travel Weekly Podcast. In this episode, Editor-in-Chief Lucy Huxley speaks exclusively to Royal Caribbean Cruises Chairman and Chief Executive Richard Fain about how the Royal Caribbean International, Celebrity Cruises, Azamara and Silver Sea brands plan to emerge from the COVID-19 crisis. If we just start with what you said yesterday, Richard, because you said you think you're going to come back stronger, but you won't be mimicking what you've done before. You'll be completely adapting. What What do you mean by that? How are you going to adapt? And I'm sure you're doing lots of work in that amazing innovation lab. Um, and how will that make you stronger? So, um, um, just so I'm clear, I don't think I said we were going to be coming back stronger than before. Okay. There's no question... There's no question um, the whole travel and tourism industry has been wounded and it will take us a while to, to rebuild back to where we were. Um, but that is what our industry does. You know, there's a reason this is, I think, the largest and most important industry in the world today. Um, and that is, is because people need it. And I think in the aftermath of the COVID-19 where people are so isolated um, that the chance to socialize, the chance to be with other people, the chance to have new experiences will actually be more valuable than it was before. Yeah. And it's all, and you know, I've always believed it's very valuable. Um, but when I said we're going to um, accommodate, our, you know, cruising last year is not like it was five years ago or ten years ago. Cruising every every day keeps changing. We keep learning. Um, uh, you know, if somebody said to me, "Gee, because of COVID nineteen, are you going to eliminate the co- the um, the midnight buffet?" My answer is, we eliminated it ten years ago. Um, and that's the sort of evolution that I I think um, it will change. It will have a different characteristic. I don't know what that characteristic is, but it will be different. Um, when we go on an airplane today, and I, you said you were on the earnings call, so um, I think that the uh, metaphor that I used to 9-11 is really very apt. I mean, um, I, I just think it really epitomizes what, why I think people are overreacting today and why why people misunderstand the implications of this. What, what do you mean so, by, what do you mean that people are overreacting? That, as in saying we'll never travel again or, what, what do you mean? Yeah, so whether it's, um, as people did after 9-11, saying people will never travel again, or the travel will be so different that I don't want to do it. Okay. Uh, and, and, I, and I made the point that both of those extremes are wrong. We yeah. will do things differently. Um, it's clear that there will be more sanitation um, um, and hygiene controls. It's clear there will be more um, uh, more touchless work, you know, with our Excalibur computer programs. It's clear that there will be more screening. Um, but But I think we will accommodate that, and when we're looking back on it, We'll say, well, that was just a very natural thing to do. Yeah, but, but th- I suppose it's things. I mean, no, things like getting embarking and stuff with the screening that people will understand that. But I guess it's understanding how a, 
dining hall will work or your fantastic entertainment uh, options that you've got on some of your ships, whether it's the ice rinks or the, you know, the aqua theatre. So, you know, how are you working through that? Will you have to have fewer people in certain spaces? Well, you know, I think there'll be a lot of, it'll be a lot different uh, between, well, let me rephrase that. Um, um, It'll be one thing the day we start up. Yeah. And there will be something else a month later and something else a month after that. Um, And the best example I can think of is the way restaurants are opening up. So I'm here in Miami, and I know you're seeing something similar in the UK. And some restaurants are uh, opening up, and they're starting with low levels of capacity so they can social distance. Yeah. And then as they prove that that works they reduce the social distancing. And I happen to think that before long, these restaurants will be back to the way they were before. Okay. Um, we'll do things differently, but uh, and there'll be a transition period. But I think the fundamental cruise experience um, is, um, um, and the things that people like about it, uh, will still be there, and it's what makes it attractive. Okay. Uh, Jason said yesterday on the call that he thought it would be easier to do social distancing, etc., on your larger ships or the ones that you've modernised um, compared to the smaller, older ones. So I wondered what that means for Silver Sea and Azamara or compared you to know, Celebrity and Royal. You know, with all due respect to the Fourth Estate, um, which is what you say before I'm about to insult you. <laughs> For your profession. With all due respect. What's that? With all due respect, and then you insult someone anyway. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But but you're looking for a a unidirectional, one-dimensional answer. And so in some respects, a larger ship has advantages over a smaller ship. In some respects, a smaller ship has advantages over a larger ship. I think both have their role. Look, Lucy, you know I'm a fan of larger ships. That's not a surprise to you. Um, On the other hand, look at our most recent move was to acquire the interest in Silver Sea, which is all smaller ships. I think it's different strokes for different folks. It's not one size fits all. And so we will have a protocol that works on the larger ships, and we'll have a protocol that works on the smaller ships, and we'll have a protocol that works on the medium ships. Um, I don't know what it is. I can promise you that we won't start until we're confident that we have those answers. Okay. And then you talked about it being, you know, there's not going to be this horn blowing and it would be gradual. But would you try and introduce some ships from each of your brands you know like maybe <laughs> maybe i don't know i really don't know um and and i don't need to i don't even need to think about it you know i got a lot of things to think about it's very tempting to talk all about royal when i'm with you but i have to remember that you've got celebrity azamara and silver sea so i i just i mean i know, and i know they're all in the family and i know you have different protocols for each but given that my readers will be selling all four of those brands and they love them all, 
Is there anything you wanted to say about each of those, given it was more of a royal call yesterday? I'm proud of the business that, that we built up in, in our, the Royal Caribbean group. Um, but that business is made up of some really wonderful people. And those wonderful people are going to lead us out of this. The other thing is, um, you know, the truth is at the end, we have reasonable lives. There are a lot of people who are suffering a lot more. So we shouldn't, we shouldn't lose track of that. Um, but I really am pleased. I don't know whether we're going to start with this brand or that brand or we'll do a little of each. Um, I think we're going to look with the experts. We are looking with the experts. We've been looking with them. Um, and I think um, I don't want to prejudge what we're going to come up with um, having done all that work. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, now, in terms of um, just the perception then of cruising generally, um, obviously, you know, it has been in the spotlight. It was hit hard at first. Do you think that that will be forgotten? Uh, are you worried about the image of cruising and certainly in terms of attracting new to cruise? I mean, we talked yesterday about your fantastic loyal guests who are booking because they're so keen to get back on board. But your, yours is an industry that was, was, you know, reliant on opening it up to more non-cruisers. We needed to get more to fill all this capacity. So what's your view on the sort of perception of cruising and the opportunity to still attract new people into the sector? So, um, um, I'm not sure. I think this may have been from the Bible. Um, I may be wrong about that. Um, but I think in the Bible it says that if uh, humankind could remember pain, uh, nobody would have more than one child. <laughs> that, that, I think that was from me. I think I said that. <laughs> uh, um and um, uh, I think the, the important thing isn't the past. The important thing is what we do going forward and demonstrating the levels that we go through, the steps that we go through to, to assure our passengers and uh, our guests and, um, and the public. But you're absolutely right. I think we said this yesterday. If not, I'll say it today. Um, there's a, a very big dichotomy between those with experience cruising and those who have never taken a cruise. And um, the, the people with experience in cruising understand what the environment's like, understand the level of control that we can uh, bring to bear. And, uh, and I think their attitude towards cruising is fundamentally different than the attitude of people who have never taken a cruise. Remember, they didn't take a cruise before. So um, um, the fact that they're, they're even more opposed to taking a cruise today doesn't change things that much. They were already hard to convince, which is why they never took a cruise prior to now. Um, but our experience is the more people know about the cruise, more people know about how we operate cruise, the more likely they are for us to be able to win them back. Okay, so you're so you're saying, well, I, you're saying okay that there were some that were hard to convince before, but you did have quite a few that would have been in that consideration set. Right. 
who are, who are starting to get excited and now they're probably thinking, no way. So what do we do right. about them? Right. So there's no question that we have... It's always been harder to convince somebody who's never taken a cruise um, to take one. Um, and um, it will be harder now than it was before. There's no doubt about that. But that's our job. And by the way, that's your job too, and that's our travel agent's job. Yeah. And that's why I keep saying that the travel agent is so important in this. Because nobody buys a cruise because they saw one of our ads. Um, I know our, our marketing directors are going to be angry for me to say that. <laughs> but um, no, nobody buys a cruise because they saw an ad and said, oh, my God, I'm convinced. They buy a cruise um, for either based on their own experience or because somebody they trust has advised them. And the person that's going to do that is most likely today to be a travel advisor. Um, and so what we need to be is we need to be careful that we are being transparent and disclosing what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it. And we need to give the travel advisors the tools they need to win over the people who have never cruised before and who I admit will be more resistant today than they were uh, a year ago. And what, what tools are they? Are that, is that different? Because you're always brilliant at supplying fantastic merchandising materials and sales materials and collateral and training. I mean, you've, you've, you've been brilliant at that anyway. How can, you know, what can you do that's more? Oh, I think today there is a heightened wish to understand um, hygiene, uh, cleanliness protocols. So people want to understand what we're doing. And, I mean, we can publish, I mean, we can publish a 50-page pamphlet that says, you know, here's how we're doing this and here's how we're doing that. But none of that will compare to um, a trusted travel advisor saying, oh, I've seen this and explaining it. Yeah. My guess is that their, uh, you know, two-minute synopsis is more convincing than a 50-page boring white paper. Okay. So you're going so to give the them all the information of what you're doing and that will help get people reassured. So, so we need to give the travel advisors the information that they need to tell their clients. Okay. Um, just before we move on from... Um, hygiene and all that kind of stuff what what's going to happen on your private island you know that's an important part of your proposition isn't it and you know um perfect day etc so is that going to be easy is that easier for you to control than the ships or yes so um i'm not going to claim that we had the prescience to uh design these private destinations because they are so much uh they're so they're so helpful in the time of COVID-19. Right. Um, if you want to draw that conclusion, <laughs> it's not because I told you. Premonition, that. Richard. Exactly. Yeah. In all, in all seriousness, um, the beauty of the private destinations is that we control them completely. So everybody on that, um, uh, on the island, works for us. Yeah. And follows whatever protocols that we will have put in place at that time. And so in the beginning, 
I think that will be a very valuable thing to have. And when you say that, do you mean you might create itineraries that will feature, you know, just sailings and, you know, your private island and no other destinations? Or, I mean, what, what do you mean by in the beginning? What, what will you do with them? It's possible in the beginning. I, you know, when, when we first start opening up, it's possible that that's, that, that would be some part of it. But I would emphasize, you know, people will jump to, oh, okay, when they open up all the ships, they're just going to go to the private islands. No, there are going to be people who say, no, I want to go to the Greek Isles, and we will accommodate that. Okay. And in terms of destinations, I mean, you must be having conversations. All, I mean, it's all about borders opening, and, you know, I guess we've all got to wait, haven't we? But, do you, I mean, Michael said yesterday that he thought Asia and Europe would open before um, the US because of just natural progression of, you know, is that something that you you agree with? I always agree with Michael. Yeah, I know. Um, why not? <laughs> um, you know, uh, it is natural. Um, the, um, the epidemics started there earlier than the United States. So if you simply look at the cycle, you would expect that they started earlier and that they would come out earlier. Um, I, I think we'll continue to watch the development and will respond accordingly. Um, so I think that's possible, but I think it's anyone's guess at this point how things will evolve. Yeah. So and we don't need to decide. You know, we're going to have um, the, the right protocols wherever we are, and um, there's not much point in my saying, you know, in two months I think uh, this is where the United States is going to be. We'll know. Okay. Let's just quickly talk about the U the UK then, because obviously we we were should have had Anthem sailing out of the UK this summer and and next summer as well. And Ben uh, Balding in the UK was saying he wants more than any anyone that Anthem might get a few sailings towards the end of the summer. But it's a, such a loved ship in the UK. What's your um, you know how t talk to me about the importance of this market? Will it become more important for you? I mean, I know. You're always lovely to our to, to us anyway, but you know, will it will it become even more important? And what you know, because you took independence away because Perfect Day was selling so well, people were a bit upset about that. So might we get more capacity back into the UK? Well, I think the independence move was was a traumatic one for us all. Um, uh, but as you said, the demand was just so great there. Um, I think a lot depends on how well the governments in different places manage it and how uh, welcoming they are and how um, they work to to make sure that our guests are safe and, um, and, and that the processes are um, clean and efficient. Um, but yeah, and by the way, it's not just the royal brand. Celebrity Apex. Yeah. Oh, I know. Um, we were supposed to, yeah, name her. Yes. I mean. I know. Um, yeah. So, um, and, and operation. So, yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I think the, the UK is, um, we just feel a partner with Britain. 
um, uh, and Ireland. Uh, we just feel that this is a place that needs to be an important part of who we are. Okay, but at, at the moment, there's no, it, there's no. I guess it's too early. But I just wondered if you might be looking at our market because it has been strong and obviously it's behind the US but it has been a strong market would you be looking to it to help you out of this crisis even more so um, Britain has always been um, a key market for us um, our, uh, very much our hearts are there um, it's also been a welcoming market um, the trade the government um, uh, the people have all made us feel very welcome, and, and that's an important driver of where we send our ships to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> can't, I can't draw you on this, can I? I I'm not going to ask. No, because, I, you know, the beauty <laughs> of this is I don't actually know the answer. So, you know, yeah. you can ask me, um, um, what is the 32nd digit in pi? And I will evade that answer because I don't have the slightest idea. Um, and here, I, I legitimately don't know the answer. Okay. Sorry. But providing the government does all the right things and looks after your guests, you will come back to the UK, of course. But at the moment, I guess you're not looking at putting any extra capacity in or anything at the moment. Because you can't make uh, I didn't say that. Oh. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I just want to. I'm just trying to get a line from you about the UK. That's all, because that people will be excited to have a line about the UK. That's all. Um, so, Lucy, I mean, it's it really is so up in the air. Um, but I, I definitely look forward to celebrating as we are um, uh, sipping a champagne over our return to operations in, in the UK. Okay. All right. Now, somebody else, is, uh, lots of people are talking about how luxury will come back quicker than mainstream because you can be more remote, you know, there's more space. I guess, you know, you look at Silver Sea with its expedition cruising, you know, is that something that you think might happen? Do you think your luxury brands will be more popular i guess than people being you know a lot of people on a on a big ship all together um you, um, you know i think I, I i wouldn't um i don't know um i think they're they're just very different this is like asking me uh which sells better top suites or the cheapest category and the answer is they both sell very well. And so I think there's going to be a tremendous interest in Silver Sea. We already, um, uh, I feel confident that um, we will see that as well. And we'll see it for um, our other brands. I, I think, I don't think it's going to be that dramatic that one area is going to do that dramatically better than another. I think they'll all come back gradually. And um, as they come back, we'll continue to build in that. And on, and on pricing, Richard, um, we, you touched on it yesterday because you were saying actually you were quite happy with the, some of the prices for next year. But, you know, there has been suggestion that, you know, we'll, we'll, A, there might be really cheap prices to get everybody back 
on board or you know back traveling but whatever the mode of transport initially but then because there's going to be consolidation and failures in the industry generally prices will ultimately go up do you agree with that um i have no idea um you know um there are all there are so many variables here there is what does the economic outlook look like there is how much capacity comes back you know if there's very little capacity prices will be higher um so i i think it's way too early for me to speculate on that and talking of capacity jason briefly said that he thought there'd be more ships older ships retired or sold and clearly there's going to be an impact on your new build program so you know what what can you can you elaborate on that? I mean, you you've got ships on order. Have you? I mean, and I know they've been delayed out of your hands because shipyards aren't open. But will you, for the ones that haven't perhaps been started construction yet, will you sort of halt those a bit or delay them a bit? Well, the shipyards have all said that they would expect um, their production capability to be impacted here, and so that by itself will. Um, will reduce the supply of ships. Um, and then, it, as you say, there's been suggested that some ships will leave the market altogether. So, I, yeah, I do expect that to have an impact. And some are less efficient and therefore will be later to come back to service. Okay. What do you mean less efficient? What do you mean less efficient? Because um, normally when they're less efficient, it's less efficient in terms of fuel consumption and stuff like that, isn't it? It's well, but if it's if it's less efficient in terms of fuel consumption, um, people would be slower to bring it back into operation because it's more expensive to operate. Okay, all right. So you'll get the the most efficient ships back first because they're because you need to keep your costs down. Okay, all right. I think so. so lovely to talk to you. Thank you, Richard. Take care of yourself. Yes, yeah, see, see you soon, and you. Thank you for listening. You can find more interviews at go.travelweekly.co.uk forward slash webcasts. If you've enjoyed the episode, please remember to leave a rating or review.